0: Whose long-term future do you believe in most? Is it Miles Bridges or Malik Monk? We talk about that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Also, what's the over-under on Baby Yoda triple doubles to finish out the season? And yes, unfortunately, we have to get to this part of the show because Doug has been waiting for it forever.
1: Mock draft season.
0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: In a minute, we live. We live. we live.
0: It wasn't the prettiest offensive game the last time the Hornets took the court, the 87-76 you know, to, 76 to victory. Over uh, Detroit. Yeah, it was pretty ugly. 87 to 76. Defensively, you might have been pleased with the Hornets' effort, but offensively, it was pretty bad. Doug, a couple of guys that actually performed pretty well offensively were Miles Bridges, 7 of 15, 18 points, and Malik Monk, 5 of 10 from the field, 17 points, and actually got to the free throw line quite a bit, knocked down 5 of 6, knocked down 2 of 4 of his three point tries. I think those two guys have been the most polarizing this season for the Hornets and maybe even throughout the first couple of years of their tenure with the Hornets. Miles Bridges playing two, and Malik Monk in his third season. It's interesting because they both were first-round selections. Malik would show you a flash every now and then. Now he seems to be putting it together offensively more consistently and defensively. I We're not banging on him defensively anymore like we used to. I, and Malik has not been all that bad. It's just his shooting has gone out the window, and even that's picked up lately, but He's not the best shooter in the draft like we thought he was a couple of years ago. Miles had a rough first half of the season, and I would say it's been seven consecutive games. I would say it's been the last month or so that he's actually turned it around, and we've speculated about P.J. Washington's absence, and when Miles stepped to the four a little bit more, that was when he improved. And he's still playing some four, even with P.J. Washington being in the lineup and the rotation. But I just feel like these guys have been the most polarizing, Doug. I I thought of the question for the morning show today. Just which of these guys' long-term future do you believe in most? With the Charlotte Hornets or just overall as a player, and are those two players, to, uh, in your mind, the most comparable in that regard when it comes to that question?
1: Oh, here we go. Radio Walker just infecting our podcast with your radio questions. We can't all just be happy. We can't be happy that the Hornets have shifted into the youth movement. Sure, they only scored 87 points. Yes,
0: Miles and Malik have made you happy so much in their tenures. They've Miles made you I love, very look, happy.
1: I am, I'm in a zen place with the Hornets now. Now that they're not, uh, <laughs> they're not concerned with working in the veterans, it's all about the youth movement. They didn't take the bait on Andre Drummond. So far, they haven't taken the bait on some other long contract uh, that they're going to struggle to get rid of in the future. I just, I think I'm in a zen place with the Hornets. I'm in a zen place with Miles. I'm in a zen place with Malik and you're sitting here. You're trying to come in between us. You're trying to divide us. You're a divider. I'm a uniter.
0: See, I think my answer is (laughs) Malik Monk. (laughs) Because I love him. So I don't know. It's really close. That's why it was so tough. Like it's we also had the question this morning about PJ Washington or Devontae.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. Another one. Let's just, you know, let's just do it with everyone. Let's go down. Cody Martin versus Caleb Martin. Can you tell them apart and which one should be uh, strapped to an iceberg and sent off into the ocean?
0: That one's easy. I'm going Cody. (laughs) Um, I'm going with PJ Washington. (laughs) Uh, over Devontae a little bit more. I just think his his game is rock solid. And I have so much more of a problem trying to decipher between Malik Monk and Miles Bridges. Everybody knows my love for Malik, and I know that he's been very good here as of late. Um, But Miles, to me, kind of has that floor, right? Like, it was funny because I don't think anybody thought Miles Bridges didn't live up to expectations last year. And when you see Miles play, actually... You know pretty well given the role, but then he we try to expound upon that role and he does not answer the bell. But now they're asking him to post up a little bit more. They're not asking him to handle the ball all that much more. Um, I, they're asking him to do things that fit his skill set a little bit uh, a little bit better. And so if, if he's going to continue to have that role, then Miles Bridges is probably the answer. And I also think that Miles has a better shot of starting with this team long term. I don't think Malik Monk will ever start with this team. So Devontae is going to be the starter. And I don't think you see a Malik Monk-Devontae backcourt continue to start. Like maybe, you know, you have the Lou Williams factor that he's always been compared to, right? Maybe not the shooter now, but the guy that comes in off the bench is a spark plug in the second unit offensively. I just don't think Malik's going to ever start. So I, I like Malik's ceiling better. But as far as just a guy that's going to have a higher floor and be in the starting lineup, I think Miles fits that bill a little bit more. I just, I find an interesting comparison with those two in the way that we think of them as Hornets fans.
1: Yeah, and I don't think, right now, I don't think of Miles Bridges as a starting piece on a good team. And so that's where he's working towards, right? He's not quite there yet. I think he's fine as a starter on this particular team in this time, but I think he has to be a much more efficient scorer and still a, a much more uh, active defender, an impact defender, although I loved his defense uh, on the few opportunities that he got against Reggie Jackson when they played the Pistons. I thought he, he's doing an excellent job uh, guarding one-on-one in those situations, so I like that, uh, But he's but he has improved his efficiency. He's up to 47% field goal percentage for February in the five games that they played. You compare that to January where he shot 43%. A lot more attempts. He's been a lot more aggressive on offense. 16.2 field goal attempts per game in February versus 10.7 in January. Three-point percentage, though, hasn't moved all that much. 32% in January. 30% has actually gone down in the last five games in February. And his free throw percentage has fallen down as well. He's getting to the line more. That's a positive. Uh, because that was a knock on him coming out of Michigan State is that he he wasn't very physical. He didn't get to the line much on offense. He liked, liked to play face-up uh, before he got to the rim. So he's getting there more. He's just missing them, which is strange. But what I really love about Miles is that he's been way more active on the boards. Uh, almost eight rebounds a game in February. You compare that, really, the whole season, it's been around five. So that's a huge improvement, and especially on a team that hasn't rebounded the ball well. And then going over to Malik Monk, He's actually shooting the ball much better in February, 47.4% versus 25% in January, (laughs) 21.7% in December. Yeah, the numbers are really, 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 really gross. Uh, But he is a slasher that you hope does develop not even a great three-point shot. You just want him to develop a good three-point shot where he's a threat out there because that's the whole thing. Him being a threat from three is going to open up his attack game. And eventually, if this were a good team where you had to scheme against Malik Monk and you had to really worry about him, I think you could take away offensively what he does a little bit easier if that three point shot doesn't develop. Um, and I haven't noticed his defense, and that's all I've asked of Malik Monk. Just don't, don't, it's like an NFL referee. Just don't let me notice you. That's all. That's all I ask. I don't want you to be a defensive star. I just don't want to notice you game in and game out. And I haven't. So again, I'm in a zen place with both of these players. I don't think I'm in. I don't think I'm in a place where I have to choose, and you're trying to make me choose. Yeah, it's really
0: tough. I did. I did uh, give you this question before we came onto the podcast, Doug, and you were about, and I made you stop. I wasn't listening to you. It was the producer. (laughs) It was the producer and you. It was the producer and you coming out and me. Right where. We don't want to talk before we get on the mic. And you were trying to discuss why that was such a tough question. Do you remember why you thought that was such a tough question? And Is there something else that you were wanting to bring up? Because it seemed like you were onto something before we got on the mic.
1: Well, I think it's a tough question because Malik Monk does have one serviceable skill in his attack game that you can say, okay, he's really great at that. He's great at one thing. And, and that could keep his NBA career going for a long time. And he's subtly improving in other ways. Miles is somebody that can contribute to your team in a variety of ways. And so there's, they're just taking two different tracks right now. But I think that both of those tracks end at a station I like to call serviceable role player. You know, I don't see them going beyond that station. The train turns around at that point and goes back. So... You know, I think it's a tough question because they're different, but a not tough question because I feel like they're all, they're both heading in the same direction. And I'm okay with them being that thing. And the Hornets trying to leverage both of these players in the future if they continue to develop, leveraging both of these players for future assets.
0: Oh, very good. Yeah, I like that answer. Even though you are trying to hold this Zen with both of these players, that's fine. Um, up next, though, we talk about who your favorite player in Hornets history is between Darren oh, Davis and Kamal Mashburn next I'm on the Locked On here. Hornets podcast.
1: This is Locked On Hornets. And the Google description here says on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades named or numbered, B shares batik of New York, n.b.a. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C minus. Let's get them on.
0: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I got that right, Doug, right? Like, if I had to choose the two favorite players of all time for you in Hornets history, it would be Diddy and uh, Bear, and it would be uh, Baron Davis and Jamal Mashburn, right? Like, if I had to make it even tougher for you to choose between two, those would be it?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, those, those are the two. That's one, two. Probably Kemba third.
0: What were you doing right there? I we you said to start, and now like you're getting away from the mic. Like, what's going on right now? Are you want to, Do you want to do the show today? Oh, my
1: fault. I thought I didn't. Know you doing? Were, I, I didn't know you were starting. <laughs> what is, what's going I'm sorry, on? I got, I'm trying to get my mock drafts pulled <laughs> up. I didn't realize that you were ready to start the show. Continue. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry.
0: My, are you bringing up the mock drafts now? You, I, I try to kick to you. We're doing a production here. Uh, I try to kick to you. <laughs> I, I want everybody to realize. I wish everybody had eyes on Doug because what he was doing was he was sitting back. It seemed like you were on the two legs of your chair. You didn't even have all four legs down. It's like I'm teaching a class and the annoying fifth grader isn't learning. He's not even listening whatsoever. <laughs> He's got the two chairs. He's about to fall back. He doesn't know what's good for him. And I asked him a question. Uh, yeah, no, 100%. Right. Yeah.
1: That, that's what you sounded to me. Uh, well Actually, I'll tell you what I was doing. I was on tankathon.com and I was just hitting the sim lottery button over and over to see if I could get the Oh, oh. I just got the Hornets to land with the number two pick, and they select James Wiseman, center out of Memphis, 7'1", 237 pounds, freshman, barely played, 18.9 years old. How about that for a stat?
0: Yeah, that's a fantastic stat. I want to move on quickly before you start to dive more (laughs) into mock drafts. We did get a DM uh, on our Locked on Hornets podcast Twitter account, and it's from our friends, the Queen City Beauty Group. And they had a question about an over-under on the rest of the season. And they ask you, Doug, Doug, what is the over-under for Baby Yoda triple doubles the rest of the way? Now, Devontae Graham does not have any triple doubles so far, but I think you announced it earlier this week that it was a feat you were going to be paying attention to regarding Devontae Graham because he's come oh so close. So if I ask you, if Queen City Beauty Group ask you the over-under on triple doubles for Baby Yoda, what would your answer be?
1: Well, I think you if we're talking about where are we going to set the over and under by the way a uh, great question and a uh, great sponsor there in Queen City Beauty Group they really support this show they support the daily stuff that we do so thank you thank you thank you um, but I think if you're setting the over under Walker you'd have to set it at 0 right because he's never had a triple double he is he's not he has not gone on a date with a triple double this season but they are they're flirting hard I mean they're texting pretty much every day, a lot of ha-ha-has, a lot of LOLs, a lot of kissy face emojis. They're just not ready to settle down, go out to dinner, catch a movie yet. Uh But I, I thought about this because that last game against Detroit, 14 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds. I mean, that's that's really close, and and he has shown the ability to get 7-9 to nine rebounds occasionally this season. You go back to the Milwaukee game that they only – they lost – By a bunch, but it was close through three quarters. He had 19.7 rebounds, only four assists in that game. So, and we've seen him, I think he's had three straight double-doubles, by the way. Detroit, Dallas, Houston, that's three straight games with double-doubles. So all he has to do is put together the rebounds. A couple of other close instances against Oklahoma City, an overtime loss, 15 points, 13 assists, nine rebounds. There was another overtime loss. Oh, yeah, January 8th against Toronto. 11 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. So again, he's doing the things that you would associate with a player that is capable of a triple-double. He just hasn't gotten over the hump. I think you set the over and under at zero, and I think he goes over. I think he gets one before it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, it's too bad that Devonte and the triple-double aren't in a relationship yet because he could book a Valentine special today for that extra somebody that he loves for only $79 that includes a consultation and an amazing custom treatment with Nichelle Mosley of Queen City Beauty Group. And if he was just in a relationship, if he just made a move, not to be afraid of commitment, Doug, then he could have done that, but he hasn't. Uh, all right, let's, let's go ahead and dive into the mock drafts. I know they're inevitable, so let's just go ahead and get them out of the way.
1: Okay, I've got one here today from Rob Douster of NBCSports.com. He's updated his mock draft, and I don't believe he's associating teams. I hate when mock drafts do this. Give me teams. Just look up the standings. That's all you have to do. Give me teams. But let's assume that the Hornets land. I think right now they're at six. So let's just assume that things don't go well for them in the draft lottery, and they land at six, and Rob Dowster has the Hornets selecting Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky, another young guy out of Kentucky. This would fit right into the recent Hornets draft history. 18 years old, six foot three, 198 pounds. Right now he's averaging 13.4 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, and three assists per game. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be straight up with you right now. I have no idea who Tyrese Maxey is or what he's doing because I don't watch college basketball until I absolutely have to, and I cram right before the draft. But let me tell you, I love the name Tyrese Maxey. It feels like an NBA name. It feels like a star name. Kentucky, we know it's good pedigree. The Hornets haven't had a ton of luck, but maybe P.J. Washington turns that around. He only shoots 29% from three. That's a concern, but good combo guard prospect out of Kentucky.
0: By the way, if Devonte Graham did want to book that Valentine special with Queen City Beauty Group, he would have to go to www.queencitybeautygroup.com and comment "locked on" in the comment section of the appointment form. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of position they go with. And just I, I watch ACC basketball more than I do. Um, really paying attention to basketball outside of the ACC. And it's interesting to me the way that Cole Anthony, where his draft stock goes after what has not been a good year for him. Do you watch North Carolina basketball that much, Doug? Have you seen your boy Cole Anthony? He's struggled a lot this year.
1: Yeah, no, not really. I know he's struggling and in fact, he's falling down. I think a lot of people had him before the season started in that top three consensus and he is nowhere to be found in a lot of these mock drafts right now. Now it's it's Anthony Edwards, who's moved his way up into the top three and really number one overall at this point that I'm seeing across a lot of mock drafts. And then LaMelo Ball, uh, the the international prospect now, uh, strange as it sounds, but he is the international prospect. And James Weissman uh, from kind of Memphis, as I keep saying, because he didn't play there very, <laughs> very long. But let's see, where does this mock draft have Cole Anthony? Cole Anthony has dropped all the way down. I'm still scrolling, still scrolling. Number 10. Wow. So if the Hornets... You know, if you're a UNC fan and you're a Hornets fan, and you're you know you feel like Cole Anthony is is uh, going to be better than he's played in his freshman season because of the injuries, then I think that there's a good possibility Cole Anthony is available if he declares for the draft.
0: By the way, I think with the buyout of Marvin Williams, there's no longer a Tar Heel on the active roster anymore. Yeah, it is, and that was the running joke with Michael Jordan that he loved to draft Tar Heels, and really. The joke should be about Kentucky because of all of the Kentucky guys that he's taken a chance on over the years. Have one more segment to go here on the Locked On Hornets podcast, all a part of the Locked On Podcast
1: Network. Sim lottery, sim lottery, (laughs) sim lottery. This is Locked
0: On Hornets.
1: So if you don't believe in the moon landing then what would you say is the greatest human achievement?
0: I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise it's rather really than counterclockwise. It's
1: really tough. Clockwise. I've tried it. It's really
0: tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. It's the final segment here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Really, that's not to let you, the listener, know. It's really just to let my oh. producer slash co-host oh. know that oh, Doug, this man. is the start of the final Segment of the
1: Lockdown Hornets oh, podcast. Walker, I just did it. I did it. Draft. God. Walker, I did it. I mean, I am ready for this segment, I promise, but I did it. Like, <laughs> literally, as you started talking, I hit SimLottery on tankathon.com, and I'm proud to announce that the Hornets officially have the number one overall selection in the 2020 NBA draft, and they have selected Anthony Edwards, shooting guard out of Georgia, 6'5", 225 pounds, freshman, 18.5 years of age. Congratulations. Right, that
0: would, yeah, that would fit the need for having a legitimate shooting guard on this team. Rick put it pretty well, I thought, when he said, we have a lot of guys that can play shooting guard, but we don't have a legitimate shooting guard. That would get him that. All right, I'm done entertaining your mock drafts. One thing also that Rick discussed, what James Borrego said when Marvin Williams was gone, You know, Borrego told Rick Bennell, and I don't know if it was a media scrum or if it was strictly Rick, but James Borrego discussed Ooh, that. Hold
1: on, hold on a second strictly rick is would be a great like column title i'm gonna get on the horn strictly rick that needs to (laughs) be his column title i would read strictly rick Rick in the charlotte observer did i just did i stumble onto something (laughs) that's
0: fantastic strictly i don't know if it was a media scrum or strictly rick that would be that is an excellent column um that these young players need to not use marvin williams as a crutch that they need to find a way to be more vocal as a leader and Borrego discussing that he thinks leaders just in nature need to be more vocal. And you hear this about some of these younger guys that are starting to come into their own as the leader of these teams that, Hey, I just need to make sure I'm holding everybody accountable and I'm communicating not just by example, but again, I am being vocal about what I want from them. And it's Devante as the point guard that you would imagine, Hey, this is someone that needs to lead in that kind of way. Now, how big of a deal do you think it is, Doug, that they don't use Marvin Williams as a crutch, that Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, who play that kind of position, that they hold themselves accountable while also going after some of the other teammates in a vocal way, but also Devontae, who we certainly think of as the future leader of this team.
1: Well, that, that's just it. I mean, they are auditioning on the court, but also the the franchise is trying to figure out who could be a leader in the locker room moving forward, who is a franchise cornerstone. And I think part of being a franchise cornerstone is being someone that can lead in the locker room because you're going to bring other young players in. I mean, Devontae Graham's going to be ushering in a, if he stays with the franchise, is going to be ushering in a new era of draft picks, maybe even Anthony Edwards next season out of Georgia, shooting guard, 18 and a half years old. I don't know if you, you remember when I said that, but I did. No, I remember, yeah. Thanks. And uh, I think it underscores for me how weird this season was to start your rebuild on because they did have all of these veterans that James Borrego felt like he needed to play early in the season to make sure that everybody was playing well. And then he probably knew all along, OK, at some point I'm going to have to downshift, bench these guys, waiver wire. I mean, I'm sure Borrego sort of foresaw all of this coming if if injuries didn't intercede and they didn't really. And so it's an odd thing because guys like Devontae Graham and and really Terry Rozier, to a certain extent, were not um, were not expected to lead, uh, at least off the jump. Um, certainly, you'd want Terry Rozier, somebody that you're giving a lot of money to and does have a little bit of a veteran presence, to lead. Uh, but I think long term, it signals that, hey, Devontae Graham's probably the future of this franchise, even more so than... Terry Rozier. And so you want to make sure that that's somebody that can be a vocal presence in your locker room. Well, Doug, how much
0: was Kimba a vocal presence? Because it was somebody that I think was constantly revered for the way that he did lead by example, that the guy always had 100% motor. We know that he was always going to give it everything that he had. And I think maybe at the end of his career, he started to be a little bit more vocal. One, he started to go after the refs a lot more as he became a star, Mm -hmm. which was interesting. (laughs) But I think that also allowed his personality to uh, exit what seemed to be a little bit shy overall, right? I mean, and maybe shy is the wrong word, but it's just somebody that went about his business in a way that didn't draw attention to himself. And I think that did change at the end of his career here with Charlotte. Just overall, do you think there are any comparisons to be made there?
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, doing little things like talking to the ref, like defending teammates to the ref, and, and also being vocal in huddles, not just in the locker room after a game or at halftime, I don't know how really how common that is for a player to step up at halftime, unless a you know unless a team is just really in the dumps and you know lost a bunch of straight games and you know needs that moment to say hey we got to figure this thing out. Uh, but you know just being vocal in huddles. I mean we've seen uh, veteran leaders do that forever, take over huddles and say hey I think we need to try this or do this. And so Kimba I think was somebody that did lead by example. I'm not sure that he was a, a huge vocal presence. You had several players voice that somewhat to say, hey, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that comes in, he works really hard, he leads by example. We know that this guy's gonna show up every day and give it all he has, and that's important. And I think Devontae Graham has that on lock too and will in the future, but can he be the vocal leader? That's that's a question they'll they'll have to answer over the course of the rest of the season and next season as well. Because to me that's it, like next season. Next season it's going to be clear whether or not this is Devontae Graham's team, I think it might already be clear, but it will definitely be clear at the beginning of next season. And how does he respond to that?
0: It's funny you bring that up about the huddle because I remember interviewing Marvin Williams one time uh, and, and it was when Kimba Walker left the franchise and I asked him about Kimba being a leader and then I specifically asked him about what he would do in the huddle and Marvin talked about how Kimba, say, would give me the basketball. We're about to make something happen. And maybe we didn't see it. You know, that's that's part of the vocal and even slash example, uh, exa- uh excuse me, um, uh, being out there on the court, excuse me. And actually like leading by example and actually being vocal, like that was a presence that you could see demonstrated in both ways. So interesting that Marvin would go in that, um, go in that direction and talk about, Hey, no, Kimba really was leading by both of those ways that were
1: you, you uh, meet. were you hitting the SIM lottery button too right there at the end there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened. (laughs) No, what I'm saying is this is good. You should just use, both of us, we should just use the Sim Lottery button. How excited we are for this upcoming NBA draft and the opportunity that it presents for the Charlotte Hornets. I I know I'm going to do it. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. If you have too much pride to do it, I don't have any pride at all. I'm going to say anytime I mess up, anytime I get a stat wrong, anytime I get a name wrong, Sim Lottery button.
0: So The Hornets play the Timberwolves tonight. The Timberwolves. Made a big trade at the trade deadline. D'Angelo Russell, now a new member of the Timberwolves. Andrew Wiggins, no longer a part of Minnesota. And what happens immediately? They beat one of the best teams in the NBA in the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, they did lose to the Toronto Raptors by 10, despite scoring over 120 points, which is pretty remarkable. Um, but you see the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota T-Wolves, and uh, wait, T-Wolves is taboo for them, right? Like, are we allowed to call Minnesota the T Wolves, or do they, don't they get upset if you call them the T Wolves? Don't they have to be the Timber Wolves?
1: I don't. I don't know. I, you know, I was listening. I honestly don't know. Uh, we should ask John Foki. Um, I was listening to Locked On Wolves, and Ben Beacon, the host, called a player a wolf. Like, uh, well, you know,
0: it can't be Timber Wolf, right? I mean, it's this the
1: singular noun of a plural wolf is it's a wolf. Well, listen, there are a lot of weird rules. Like, you can't. You, you know, the, with the heat, with the team that don't have the plurals, but you treat mm-hmm. it like a plural anyway, there's all these like MLA, you know, type of things that you're supposed to adhere to and people that are in the newspaper business take that into radio, even if it doesn't sound good. And I'm always like, forget that. Whatever sounds good. That's what you should use.
0: Yeah, I don't know about T-Wolves. I think that's taboo. I'll try to respect it. I'll go with the Timberwolves. But their game against the Timberwolves tonight, uh, they are taking on what is a new roster for them. Maybe still trying to figure it out, even though, again, they did get a victory against the Clippers. Doug, what do you have on tonight's game against Minnesota?
1: How about Timber Dubs?
0: I mean, I like it. I don't know if that's necessarily taboo from them.
1: All right, Timber Dubs. Is Here's fine what I being. have on the Timberwolves. You're like D'Angelo is a new Timber
0: Dub. Yeah, I like that.
1: Timber Dub. I'm gonna let Ben Binka know that that's what he should be calling his team now. No, no Wolves. Wolves. It's Wolves. It Wolves. Wolf. Wolf. Timber Dubs. Okay. Here's what I have on the Wolves.
0: <laughs> we are both on the sim button right now.
1: <laughs> uh, SLB sim lottery button. Here's what I have on the Wolves. They got D'Angelo Russell in that big trade. It's meaning big things for their offense, not so much for their defense. But the idea in Minnesota, and I don't know if this is a good idea or not, but the idea in Minnesota is to make the offense so good with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns that you can have an okay defense and survive. It worked against the Clippers didn't work so well against the Toronto Raptors. I have a feeling it's probably going to work very well against the Charlotte Hornets. Although, you know, the Hornets are in that weird zone right now where they have shifted to youth. Everybody's taking a lot of shots right now. And so if the Hornets get hot from three and they play a similar level of defense that they played against Detroit, it's not going to result in, you know, under 80 points for the Timberwolves. I don't know that that's Timberdubs. I don't even know if that's possible. But if you play the same level of defense and you get hot from three, it's possible the Hornets accidentally win this game. Not probable, but possible.
0: Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And again, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail at Doug Branson, L-O-H. And you can follow our show handle at Hornets. We'll be back tomorrow to recap the game against the T-Dubs.
1: Second!